You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, every team, everywhere. New episodes of original content all week on the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front-row seat to all of the action. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more of the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion across all sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app now and sign up using promo code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's promo code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello and good day, San Jose, and welcome to the Stick Hungry Podcast, your home of the San Jose Sharks on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dylan Kayser, and I'm joined in studio by producer T. We also have Kyle McLaren on the line and Nick Flora. Nick, I'll start with you. How are you doing today? Doing good, bud. It's a beautiful, sunshiny day up in Northern California, and uh, I'm excited about what we have going on today. You know what, Nick? I'm sick and tired of hearing about your nice weather <laughs> over there, okay? We've had gray <laughs> and rain for the last six weeks, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, we had weeks. some snow in that time, too. We yeah, we got some snow, which is rare for Vancouver Island, but yeah. we did get it. Uh, Kyle, how are you doing? Kyle is uh, <laughs> staring at me right now. Uh, he's stone face killer, they call him. Um, I'm, I'm going to assume Kyle's doing well. Uh, Producer T, how you doing? I'm doing great. I was I was going to open with you know at least we don't have Kyle wrecking the computer with the with the clip, but I don't know. It looks looks like we're going to be starting off like that. Yeah, it looks like we might. Uh, this is actually a live shot of Kyle trying to connect to the internet right now. It's not going well, folks. Uh, but we, this is going to be a special episode. This yes, is be a big one. We have sure. uh, President Excited. of the Sharks, Jonathan Becker, coming on this episode. Uh, we're going to bring him on here shortly. Uh, then we're also going to break down the uh, Sharks and Blues game, which was uh, quite the bout. Yeah. Quite the bout. And then we're going to actually have a uh, Pity the Fool segment featuring uh, Bennington, Jordan Bennington, <laughs> for his antics uh, last night. So, uh, you know what? We're going to get right into it. We're going to get into the interview with San Jose Sharks president Jonathan Becker right after the break. All right, folks, we have the president. It doesn't get any higher than that. We have the president of the San Jose Sharks on the line, Jonathan Becker. Jonathan, thanks for joining us on this episode. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, but isn't Kyle McLaren the special guest? I mean, he's more special than I am. I don't think no. so. <laughs> no, no response to that. So. Hey, you're... First round pick. I know that's a pretty big deal to me. It's a pretty big deal. Plus, if I don't say he's more special, he'll hip check me again. I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, that's amazing. Uh, so, Jonathan, before we uh, before we start this interrogation, I mean, uh, the interview that we have set up for you, uh, I just wanted you to give us all just a little bit of information about yourself, you know, kind of where you grew up and what helped you, you know, what helped shape you as a person. Yeah, and I'll, I'll try not to be too boring, Nick. So uh, I grew up in a small town in Virginia. And uh, when I say small town, by the way, 13 people in my high school graduating class. So definitely football, right? Wow. I'm uh, maybe slightly above average. Maybe, you know, I'm not an Excel athlete like Kyle is, So, but I still played four sports because that's what you do when you're a small town. I have a terrible singing voice, but I was in a bunch of musicals because that's what you do when you're right? <laughs> I was a shy kid, believe it or not. People that know me as an adult can't imagine I was a shy kid. But I ran for student body president because that's what you do in a small town. And more than anything, growing up in a small town, I think taught me three things. The first is there's no such thing as can't. It just takes it out of your vocabulary because you have to do virtually everything. The second is it doesn't matter if you don't know something, you just figure it out. And so, you know, people talk about lifetime learning. That was sort of stuck in my DNA early on because I just had to learn stuff because there was nobody else there as well. And maybe the third thing is, and you really see this in team sports. It's why I'm so much better at a team sport than I am in an individual sport is you just learn that everybody matters and you're all in this together. And if there's a weak link, you don't try to make yourself better. You try to make them better. And, you know, that's what I love about hockey. And we'll probably come back to that is it's very much of a make others better sport. I love it. I love it. So, Jonathan, everybody has a story about how they fell in love with the game of hockey. I want to hear your story. How did you fall in love uh, with the game of hockey? Well, so sadly, I grew up in basketball and football country. That's what Southern Virginia is. Uh, we didn't have any. I didn't get to learn to skate when I was a kid because I had to drive 45 minutes for skating lessons. And that's I mean, on top of the price of skates themselves, that was a big barrier. So that wasn't one of the four skates. Um, and I didn't see a live pro event of anything until I was 18 years old. So um, when I first moved to Silicon Valley, to the Bay Area, that was right when the arena was opening up. And in wow. fact, uh, a buddy of mine, he sort of adopted me as an older brother. He had more money. You know, I was a little kid at 21 years old. He was probably late 20s, which seemed old to me at the time as well. He invited me to a Sharks game. Yeah, you know, well, perspective is everything, right? He invited me to a Sharks game, and I literally fell in love in that very first game. Uh, it had the speed of basketball, the, the sort of power and, and fury of American football, and the artistry of soccer, which was the game that I was best at when I was a kid. And that very first game, this is 1993, it was right before the Thanksgiving break. I still remember it like it was yesterday. Um, and we're playing Detroit. For those of you, you guys are not quite old enough, but Detroit was a powerhouse back then, right? Expected yeah. to win the cup every single year. Uh, and we were still, you know, a young team, not ready to, despite what happened in the 93 playoffs, we weren't supposed to beat them. And there was everything that game. There was a power play goal, a shorthanded goal, an empty net goal, 60 minutes of fighting. No, Kyle wasn't on the team yet, but there was still 60 minutes of fighting. <laughs> uh, and in a foreshadowing of that playoffs, Jamie Baker scored a goal with 10 seconds left. And I thought, yeah, you know, this team is going to do it. And I just, I don't know, they became my team on the spot. I love it. I love it. 
Yeah, you know, Jonathan, as well as your position as president, you also have your website, uh, jonathanbecker.com, but you don't necessarily write about hockey on there. I was having a look. There's an interesting article about yawning, and it tries to to stress, and you even rate your top five cult classics. What started that for you, and, you know, what inspires you to write those short blogs? So it's not about hockey, but I I do occasionally write about sports. Uh, In fact, I did an analysis with some help with an ESPN, ESPN writer of what's the most difficult sport to play. Do you guys know what the answer is? It's got to be hockey. Hockey is the most difficult team sport. Boxing is the number one individual. Oh, okay. Wow. Boxing and hockey. Yep. yep, indeed. Yep. So it's kind of fun. So basically I do things that I'm interested in. It started 15 years ago because I love to write. I, I joke that um, if things were different, we're living in an alternate universe, I'd be a writer. Although there's really not much money in writing. So maybe I shouldn't do that. <laughs> And I, I, I really started because I was running a startup one day. This is my last job. And I couldn't get any publicity for the startup. So I figured I'd write it instead. So I just write on yeah. stuff that fascinates me. And and the yawning article you mentioned was I was in a meeting once, I don't know, earlier this year, I think it was. And I yawned even though I wasn't tired. I was like, what the, what, why am I doing that? And so I did research. And it turns out when you're stressed, you tend to yawn. So there you go. Oh. That's slightly concerning for me. I got to watch my yawning down. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be very self-conscious about all of my yawns from now on. Thanks, Jonathan. I appreciate that. Uh, so you talked a little bit about moving into the Bay Area and kind of a- adopting an older brother. So what path did you take to becoming the president of Shark Sports and Entertainment? This is a happy accident, to be honest. I mean, when I was a little kid, you know how like some people say, I'm going to be an astronaut. and other people say, I'm going to be a doctor or a firefighter. It's not like I told my mom at the age of six that I'm going to run a professional franchise one day. I, that's not at all. In fact, I started out as a software engineer, which I don't imagine is, it can be further from running a professional franchise. <laughs> it's a series of life decisions. Probably the biggest one was I got into marketing, even though I started out as a programmer. And I grew up the ranks. I ended up being chief marketing officer SAP. We all know we play in the SAP center now. But that was before then. It was called the HP Pavilion at the time. And I was trying to help a team how to figure out how to sell analytics more. Analytics, you know, numbers and stuff like that. And uh, Moneyball had just become a big movie. You guys remember Moneyball, that bad? I love it. Bit. No offense yeah. to Brad Pitt, but I don't think that's really how it works. <laughs> I thinking about why can't analytics be played to everything? Why does it always have to be just baseball? Why can't it be used for restaurants? Why can't it be used for movies? Why can't it? And so... I started getting into the business of analytics in entertainment. And I ended up by accident signing it, almost by accident, not really, getting a deal done with the NBA, uh, a site that's still up, nba.com slash stats, which then led me into sports. I ended up doing an NHL deal, a Niners deal, a Rangers deal, et cetera. Wow. And eventually, came, SAP, Hasso was a minority owner at the time, but eventually became the majority owner. He's one of the founders of SAP. That's how we renamed the building from the HP Pavilion to the SAP Center. But the more I learned about how sports were run, the more I recognized that technology would eventually make a big play. And I just got more interested in it, started volunteering my time and uh, left SAP almost four years ago now. And our owner, our meaning the the Sharks owner, knew that my love of hockey. I'd gone to a bunch of games. Uh, Actually, I'd watched a few games with him. He invited me to watch with him in the suite. And I had my little kid moment. He called me up uh, right before Thanksgiving. 
I'd love to say on the 15 year anniversary of my first game, but it's not that that's the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Brad Pitt stars me in the movie. No, I'm just kidding. There we go. I see the resemblance. Yeah. Not a, <laughs> he called me up and, uh, and said, what do you think? And then I was like, I had that little kid astronaut moment. I said, of course. And he's like, we haven't negotiated. I'm like, no, no, the answer is yes. Yeah. Now let's just figure out how it works. Wow. That's, that's honestly awesome to be able to attach, you know, your livelihood with something that you love more than anything. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about, like you said earlier, the SAP Center, and I want to touch on a subject there that I had really drawn my eyes to earlier and, and prior to the season, actually, is the, the state of the art you know, ice making plant in the redesigned piping system that was that was put in. Uh, we know that in prior games, you know, players and other teams have complained about the ice quality at SAP. So oh, I was wondering on, if, well, I'm just, I'm just asking a question. <laughs> <laughs> what what essentially brought uh, on those changes? Sorry, all right, go back. Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, what what brought on those changes? And, and you know, have you heard anything from the players about the ice? You know, recently. Well, I, first of all, I'm going to have to defend myself a little bit. Uh, the NHL inspects the ice all the time, uh, and yeah. we have to fill out every game, pre-game and post-game, the quality of ice, and our ice have has always passed the test. So, yes, I've heard the complaints as well. I will say that podcasts like this do a good job of making a mountain out of a molehill. So <laughs> <laughs> It's so true. I agree. There are so many other arenas that if you've been to, you can literally oh. see water pooling on the side of the ice. I, I yep. won't name them but you can guess which one I mean, probably. Yep. Um, I'll let Kyle tell you who that is in the afternoon. <laughs> yes, I, I, I can tell you later on. <laughs> but having said all that, um, look, we, we, we had a, I don't know, everyone likes the word unprecedented. It's getting overused, but I'll use it anyway. I mean, we had no games in our building from March 11th of last year until February 13th of this year. That's 11 months. Unbelievable. Yeah. Hopefully, and and not only no uh, uh, hockey games, but no other events, right? No yeah. concerts, no monster truck, no nothing, right? I and mean, it's never happened since the building opened in 93, and hopefully it'll never, ever happen again. Yeah. And so one of the things we did I went is I went to ownership, to Hasso, who I really believe is the best owner in sports because of his mental model, and said, we can do construction that we can never, ever do again. Will you be willing to consider that? And he's like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, the ice plant, the floor, the foundation, all that is 30 years old. And it's 30-year-old technology. If we rip it up, and by the way, I'm, I'm asking for something that costs millions of dollars. This is not <laughs> <laughs> right. Then we can put bigger pipes. In. If you put bigger pipes in, you can move water faster. If you can move water faster, it gets colder. I mean, you guys can imagine the physics of all this. And his literal answer was, why wouldn't I do this? I said, well, you wouldn't do it if you were wanting to save a bunch of money. And he goes, but I'll never have another chance. I'm like, right. And yeah. one day it will fail because 30-year-old technology, I can't tell if it's five years from now or 10 years from now or 20 years from now. And his answer was, get it done. So we went and did it. And yeah. the ice is notably harder and colder, therefore faster. And yes, the players love it. Yeah, you don't see the you don't see the puck floating or, or bouncing as much as you did maybe five years ago when it gets sunny outside. So you know, I've seen a big difference. So my question I, to you is, you know, the state of the Sharks. And yeah. I don't know how much you, you you mean. I know you watch them and pay attention. So from from today moving forward, is what do you see the vision for the Sharks? You mean other than the the ten year cup run we're going to go on? Uh, sorry, Why, I can't that's, even say that. That's what I'm hoping for. Was that, or is that inside information, Jonathan? <laughs> <laughs> so look, um, 
and maybe this is a setup for, you know, there's been some well-publicized stuff about our future in San Jose. Let me just be very clear in case anybody's missed it. Which They're is, staying. They're staying. We are the San Jose Star. Yeah, we don't want to go yeah. anywhere. Yeah, you're, you're staying. Come on. Every professional franchise in Northern California has moved. Yeah. Right? I mean, some of them have actually moved a long way and didn't change their name. We'd like to stay in our building. We don't even want to go to another place in San Jose. The, the challenge is there's a... You know, downtown San Jose has always been a bit sleepy. Sorry, San Jose people. I, I love downtown, et cetera, <laughs> but it's never been really compared to other major cities in California. It, it is what it is. It's still, you I mean, there's still good restaurants and stuff, but you're right. It is a little bit more sleepy or everything's outside of town or, Correct. you know, just uh, maybe, maybe a mile or two away, but where the Shark Tank is, it is sleepy, but they're building it up, aren't they? With That's like, my point. So over yeah. the next 20 years, we'll probably see more construction in downtown than the last 50 years put together. Yeah. So that's both a, a good thing and a challenge. It's great because once the construction done, once we get BART, once we get high-speed rail, once Google comes in, once lots more restaurants, once all that happens, it'll be more energy down there, which we all want. Yeah. But it'll be, you know, there's probably going to be some pain over the next 20 years as well. Yeah. Is that the question you were getting at, Kyle? Yes, I was. Yeah. <laughs> Having said right. that, I should also say we're doubling down on ice. I mean, you know this even better than me, which is there's just not enough ice rinks in Northern California. Yep. yep. Right. In less than 18 months, two more rinks open at Sharks Ice in San yep. Jose. That's you I mean that's awesome. Love it. Including a 4,200 seat for the for the CUDA. Yep. And actually, maybe for these kids, we'll have some esports as well. Maybe they'll come in and do some gaming for us too as yeah. well. Hey, yeah, we're not awesome. that young. We're not that young. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, I'd like to build two to eight more rinks. I can't say where yet because we're in negotiations, but we need a lot more ice sports. Yeah. You know, not just skating. We, yeah. you know, figure skating, not just hockey. Curling is becoming big. Yeah. We need more dedicated curling. So my mantra is we've got to help grow ice sports in Northern California. Yeah. It's, we're not a non-traditional area anymore. We're now traditional. So it's yep. time to actually grow the game dramatically. Yeah, it's not, it's not like you can go outside right now and go to an ice rink that's outdoors because the weather doesn't permit it. You need to find the ones that are inside. You got it. And, it, and it's growing. It. It's not like uh, like basketball. You can go outside and shoot hoops anywhere you want or soccer or baseball. You need those rinks. And it's, you know what? I like, I like to hear that. I mean, it's, it, that is a very positive for Northern California from where you guys came from the beginning yeah. to, to now. And it's going to grow over the next 10 to 15 to 20 years. Kyle, did you know that Nick actually has a pond in his backyard that does freeze over in the winter? <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> no, I don't know. think, I don't think Nick even knows that. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? All right. I want to throw, uh, I want to throw some Jersey talk into the mix here. Okay. The, the reverse retro jerseys, which I absolutely love. I think you guys killed it uh, with that. Just, I just want to know, did you guys ever consider uh, possibly working in the California golden seals into the reverse retro? Do you follow me on Twitter and know about this controversy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I think I missed it, honestly. Um, so first of all, reverse retro, phenomenal. Uh, yeah. I will say some teams executed a little better than other teams, in my personal opinion. Yep. I can't probably say that because I'm the president <laughs> of one of the franchises. But you, guys <laughs> have that uh, it, it, you know it's conjunction with the NHL. So I will say the NHL puts some constraints on what you can and can't do. Um, no, we did not ever consider the seals as part <laughs> of reverse retro. But there may be an homage to the seals coming in the not too distant future. 
Ooh, how's that for a teaser? Ooh. How's that? I like yeah. it. I like it. Um, you know, Jonathan, you you mentioned the need for more ice in um, in Northern California, and that being one of the the biggest challenges, um, you know, in the development of hockey in California. But since you've moved there, it, it, do you think that it's improved? And do you think that that's literally one of the the biggest factors, or do you think there's some other factors being in California and just the views around hockey? Maybe that can be a challenge as well. Yeah, so I will tell you, my first couple of years, uh, I wore a Sharks jersey, right? But to be fair, we played Detroit. There might be as many Detroit jerseys or Chicago, as many Blackhawks jerseys. So the first probably five years of our franchise was as much of hockey nuts, because we're all hockey nuts, from other cities, maybe even from Canada, not being able to watch their favorite sport. Oh, it's here in San Jose. I'll go watch my away team. Yeah. But that's and that's why we were considered a non-traditional city for hockey, right? Yeah, that's that's done, right? We're on second generation fans, right? Those hockey nuts bred San Jose Sharks fans, and it was probably true that we were attracting hockey fans at first. But now we have Sharks fans. We're, we're, our Sharks fans are as wonderful, loony, and I'd say that in a great way as any other city. I, you ask opposing teams; they don't like coming to the tank just as much as they don't like going any place else whatsoever, and so. I would say hockey's gone from people loved us because we were the first professional franchise to come to the South Bay and we were an oddity at first to it's in people's blood. So I, I can't tell you how many people I meet and I ask them, you know, what's your favorite sport? And you would expect them to say football or basketball or something else. And it's hockey. We, we are a hockey city. Yeah. But set, having said that, it is true that the we we have that's both a blessing and a curse. It's something like 1200 of the inaugural season ticket holders are still season ticket holders. Wow. Wow, wow that's incredible. That's Which means if they bought tickets in their 40s, you know, they're 70 now, right? Or if they yeah. bought tickets in their 30s, they're they're 60 now, right? And so you got to also index to the younger fan and right you're not going to go to the pond in Nick's backyard. It's just not big enough. <laughs> <laughs> So we, we have to, in my opinion, we have to recognize that not everyone's going to skate. But as you may have heard from Kyle, you can, just getting the stick in your hand, because yeah. I'm, I'm not a very good skater, but I'm actually pretty good when it comes to stick moves, as it turns out, yeah. right? And maybe it's all that tennis that I played when I was a kid. I, I don't know, what a racquetball or something. And so yeah. I'm a big believer in street hockey. I'm a big believer in roller hockey. I'm a big believer in all the other hockeys which is why you've seen us invest so much in blacktops around the Bay Area and yep. other kinds of hockeys. I think we've got a parallel path. It, it can't just be high sports. Yep. And we probably under-index that. And while it's grown, not enough. I think that's the big trajectory for the next 20 years. Yeah. As far as, you know, growing the ice services, I mean, I know it's picking up here in Canada with artificial ice. Um, have Has anyone explored that in the Bay Area, bringing in artificial ice? You know, I, I will defer to Kyle because he played the sport at the highest level. <laughs> but when I talk to people, artificial ice is sort of like artificial turf is to plan on grass, which is if you really can have nothing else, it's better than, than, than no alternative. But real ice and real grass are better for the sport. So yep. fair enough. Got it, but I don't think that's where we're going. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right, I got I got one last question for you, Jonathan. If right. the Sharks rutted some injury problems on the back end, will you guys consider sending Kyle McClare in a contract <laughs> offer? 
uh, to be fair, uh, we, we could use some of his hip checks and, uh, and shut down D from some nights. So hey, he's uh, a great locker room guy. I've heard he's a great locker room. Guy. I, yeah. He's basically bionic with his two uh, metal knees too, right? Two yeah, exactly. yes. <laughs> I don't know. How can you get back on D still? I, I, you know, I, I uh, no clue. I've been skating a couple months, so you know what? I like I like the way the team's going. I'm going to keep them there, and I'll just take the league minimum if you need me. Uh, sounds like a. <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> awesome jonathan thank you so much for hopping on the podcast we really appreciate it um you know stay safe out there and hopefully the sharks can pick it up this season we can see a bit of a rebound but uh once again thank you for jumping on the show yeah. appreciate it, guys and nick thanks for putting up with my pond in your backyard joke so <laughs> anytime you want to come over and do some 1v1 i have a regulation net so <laughs> you let me know when you're ready you just well, have hey, to take the drive up to sacramento though yeah right. fair enough. it's a long drive Right. Thanks, Jonathan. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Jonathan. All right, folks. uh, We're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we're going to talk about the San Jose Sharks and the St. Louis Blues game. And then we're also going to talk about uh, the full Weeby Pitian segment on the other side. Big shout out again to Jonathan Becker for jumping on the show. That was was a lot of fun, boys. I don't know what you thought, but I thought that was great. He definitely has a lot of knowledge. It's pretty awesome. More than yeah, all four of us. He's, awesome. Hell yeah. he's on. He's on. He, I mean, our followers. He's on Twitter as well. So you know, yes, he has he is. a lot of insight on the sharks and a lot of other things. So you know, I give him a follow. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna pull up his Twitter handle right now. That, that that you know what you know what guys, we'll make that the follow of the day. That is yeah. by far the follow. I believe it's so, at Jay Becker. At yeah. Jay Becker, you beat me to it. There you Look go. He's gonna, get the, uh, totally he's gonna get the he's gonna get hungry bump here. He's gonna <laughs> sky, bump. He's gonna Hell skyrocket yeah. with those followers. <laughs> uh, it, it's awesome to see, like for me, like I grew up as a fan, and to see someone who also grew up as a fan able to kind of sink their teeth into the franchise and put it in a direction that the fans wanted to go is just it's yeah. awesome. It really is. And yeah. it's great to hear uh, that we have an owner that actually is looking to invest yeah. in the SAPs, looking to invest in the Sharks. I mean, that's a huge sign that this team's not going anywhere. And, you know, I think that the, the rebuild isn't going to be as long or maybe as bad as, as we maybe think. And this it looks like the, the fan base is only going to grow by, you know, with uh, Jonathan at the helm there. Yeah. So. Yeah. If, yeah. if you're an investor, he said between two and eight ranks. I mean, they're already building two at the uh, practice facility right now. Yeah. If they invest into some more ranks. It gets more people on the ice. And, it's, and again, yeah. it's not just for hockey. It's for curling. It's for figure skating. It's public skating for people who can enjoy themselves. And to me, investing back in the community since they've been here as long as they have, I mean, that's a big thing for me as well. I thought it was interesting that he brought up curling. I wouldn't expect curling to be a, a growing sport down in California. I don't know, Nick, Kyle, have you seen like curling rinks around? Have you oh, yeah. seen it pop up? Yeah. And you yeah. know what? They're not curling. So in Canada, where I grew up, there was an ice rink, and right next to it was the 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 basically the swimming ponds, and then a curling rink. They change over from the ice rinks to curling rinks with some spray they put on there mm. that bumps oh. the ice. I couldn't tell you what it is. But they don't have separate rinks right now for curling and you know for hockey rinks. But they basically change over one of the sheets for ice at nighttime for curlers. Yeah, they have the the paint's already built in. Yeah. I think the biggest tidbit, though, that he left for us, guys, that not a lot of people picked up on was the Sharks are going to unveil a jersey that lays tribute to the California Golden Seal. Like, that's hype. Like, for a a hungry podcast, breaking news. Yeah, let's go. I love it. I love well, it. The junior sharks. The junior sharks have a, a a spring team 
that have the seals logo and colors and everything like that. It actually looks amazing. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but if you look at Junior Sharks, uh, I mean, again, it's on Twitter, you'll see their seals uniforms and they're nice, but I mean, it'll be interesting to see what the sharks, uh, the big sharks going to. Yeah, no, that was, that was an awesome interview. Um, you know, that's what you're looking for in the president of your team, right? Yep. I mean, honest guy, he cares about the team. He's willing to jump on pigeon podcasts like <laughs> like hours to talk about the team. It's amazing. And he's and he rips on Nick. So I mean I love the guy. I love right? Love him. <laughs> what more could I ask for, you know? If anyone's gonna do it, it's gonna be him. <laughs> yeah. Uh speaking of guys that we love, uh, we're gonna talk about Jordan Bennington here in a second. And the fool we be pitying. I'm pitiful. All right, so like I said, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Mr. Jordan Bennington uh, and, and the game in general. We're yep. going to kind of segue into the general game talk here. But Jordan Bennington, after being pulled uh, against the San Jose Sharks, goes on a tirade or a tantrum, depends uh, <laughs> which way you look at it. Basically, he attacked uh, three members of the San Jose Sharks. Devin Dubnik came out at the end and gave him a little gave him a little face, face wash, you know, <laughs> get out of here, young man. But I, I just thought... Uh, I don't know. I, I thought it was pretty foolish, to be quite honest with yeah. you, uh, to, to throw a tantrum like that and just, just start randomly attacking Sharks players. Like, what were you thinking, Jordan he's, Bennington? He's definitely <laughs> developing a persona of kind of the, the villain of the league. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, especially of, you know, any anyone that's not a Blues fan, maybe. You know? Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, uh, he's definitely uh, growing that image. What what was the line he had? Was it like, do I look nervous or do I look yeah, worried? That, that was last year. Someone should have asked him that after that game. Yeah. <laughs> were you worried or nervous when you actually went and attacked three <laughs> players because uh, you got pulled out of the game? Uh, Kyle, did you uh, did you see those antics go down? I did. You know what? The thing is, if he was on my team, it would have been great. You know what I mean, he's pissed yeah. off. He let in four goals. But you know what? Like well, what, you know what? If he's being pulled, he should be showing, you know, a better game. Like he's literally had an awful game. He's being pulled, yep. and then he's throwing a tantrum. For me, as a coach, I I don't want that. I want a goalie who's going to make the saves and then still get into the other, you know, get onto the other team's head. Yeah. I if felt like think, he hey, lost. If you it. wanted to fight, if you wanted to fight somebody, fight somebody, fight Dubnik. You know what I mean? To me, that's the only <laughs> that, part. Yeah, that would have been that's awesome. the only uh, part. Like you I mean. You go hit somebody. You mean, almost. I mean, almost hit Carlson in the head with a yeah. blocker. <laughs> if, that, if that would if that would have happened, and I was on the ice, I would have kicked the shit out of him, or Dubnik would have kicked the shit out of him. So that's the only part that I didn't like. But again, it's you're going after. Like, I just you went. You scored. I mean, I don't even know what the score is at the time. Four 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 three. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was after the there. soft goal. Like he let in a Martin Jones esque goal from Evander yeah. Kane. <laughs> Martin Jones Esco. Um, but no, no, you mean again? But I would have, I would have knocked him out. Some should went over there and friggin' tried so to fight him. But are you more disappointed then in the way the Sharks reacted to his, his kind of antics than anything? Then, well, I mean, I'm disappointed both of them because as a as a, a goalie, you never see. I mean, I've never seen that before. Maybe Ron Hextall hacking somebody back in the early '80s. Do you know what I mean or or yeah. Mike Smith? You mean doing it, but. I'm just, you know, it goes both ways because you went, know, if he's doing that to your team or my teammates, I would have, I would have jumped him from behind. I don't care. But Jumbo would have gave him the jab like he did Morazic. Yes, he did. Or Dubnik. You mean drop him? Like, you mean, I know, and again, I don't know. I mean, was, was Jones the backup and he didn't want to like get out of the game or whatever? But I yeah. just think that it was just, it was foolish. You know what I mean? It's, it's, he didn't, I don't think he got a penalty. 
He probably should have for being stupid, but I don't think there's a penalty for being stupid. I mean, it's unsportsmanlike. Jonathan Becker, if you're if you're still watching Jonathan, I mean, look at this. We, you won't have these kind of issues moving forward. Kyle will, uh, yeah. Kyle will take care of that guy. Leak, leak, leak minimum on there. <laughs> Anchor down the defense and drop people talking shit. Yep. Yeah, that's... I, if he'd have made contact on Carlson there, though, that would have been a sussy, right? Oh, that would have. I mean, yeah, oh that's, that's quite a long one, right? It halfway looked like he did live. I know. That's why. I, well, I I think it should be kind of taken a little bit more like. It, it was kind of, it was a huge dick move what he did to Carlson. I don't care. Like he can go and try and fight Doom Nicole he wants. That's fine. Yeah. What the hell was all that about? It was yeah. just he, stupid. You know? And he bumped into Shimmick too. Like he skated towards the bench and then realized the sharks have designed SAP. So you got to take the long skate down to the <laughs> other end of the ice, you know? And then so he hits Shimmick. Like, I mean, my child hits better than he does. <laughs> and then he goes over and like pump fake jabs Carlson with Marlo right next to him. And then Dubnik's like, come at me, come at me, come on. Yep. But then he's like, oh, fuck, I got kids and shit. Like, I can't, <laughs> I'm too old for this. I'm already thinking about fight. dinner I and think, this guy's I coming up. Like, I think Dubnik would have kicked the shit out of him. Just yeah, I agree. Oh, yeah. that's that's what I was saying. I would have loved it if Dubnik just followed him down the tunnel and just yeah. like cleaned his clock. <laughs> Patrick Waugh would have beat the shit out of him. No oh, doubt. Shoot, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Um, the game, though, I mean, it was a crazy game. 7-6, uh, St. Louis Blues come out with a win. It's, uh, it's disappointing that this San Jose Sharks team finally figures it out offensively and put together six goals and they still lose the game. Yeah. It's a tough one. That's that's a tough one for the entire team. That's that pendulum swing that I was telling you guys about the last couple episodes. It's like they either have great defense but don't score, or everything gets let in and they score a shit ton, but they still don't win the game. They still find yeah. ways to lose these games. And you know they kept coming back in this one with like yeah. you know especially in the third period coming back six six. I didn't think we were going to pull it off at that point. You know, I thought we were done, but we still clawed our way back, clawed our way back, and then lose it uh, later in the third period. We got to figure it out late, late in the game. You know, is, especially- it, is it a bigger positive that they were able to score goals, or is it a bigger negative that they gave up seven goals? I think it's a bigger positive, in my opinion, because yeah. the giving up goals has been a problem for almost two years now. So, like, we can focus on that problem, and we know it's an issue, right? Yeah. But, like, the lackluster power play the last couple of games, the lack of scoring, that was like, oh, shit, dude, we need to figure this out. Okay, now we've scored. We can solve the goaltending problem in the offseason. That's easy. Let's figure out this offense. Let's figure out this power play. And it showed up, per se. We got a, a lot of, like, lucky bounces as well. Even the first shot was, like, the floozyest fucking goal the Sharks have had since the hand pass. <laughs> That's a classic Meyer goal right there. Classic Meyer goal. The, the only, like, the biggest negative I saw out of it, uh, except for that we let seven goals in, obviously, is the fact that we finally, like like we've been saying, that we finally got that uh, oh, the offensive going, right? And we got the goal scoring. And we have that much more energy that they're exerting in scoring six. And you still lose. Mm-hmm. And you still get that seven goals past you. That must be so demoralizing. Even if you're one of the guys that, you know, had a great game, it, it's, it's not worth it, right? You need the win. I, I think you'd ask any one of those guys, they'd still rather win one nothing and get the win. You know, I, I don't think – I think – any momentum you got from scoring goals is kind of taken away and drained out of you when that, that seventh one goes in and then you're done. Like, yeah. I, I don't see how that can be a positive for any of these guys. Producer well, T, I've, hey, I, I've never scored, Producer T, I've never scored a hat trick in my life. Um, I've scored maybe one or two goals every once in a while, but if you don't, still don't win, those goals to me don't matter. 
it's yeah. the win that matters. And that's where like even Jonathan was saying is he went, he loves team sports because it's not just one guy. Yeah. It is takes yeah. the whole team to win a game. And even if you're not on the score sheet, the best player can have no points and go out there and play his best game. And he still co- contributed to the win. And that's where a team sports is. You know, the guys that score goals always get recognition. You see him, Crosby, Thornton, Marlowe, Kane. But you don't see the smaller guy. I wouldn't say smaller, but smaller guys that you don't see on the score sheet going, well, shit, he played a great game and helped us win at the end. And that's all it takes is that end result. And it's somehow you – the way we say is what it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Yeah. Well, and that's why this league has, you know, the Stalky Trophy for the best defensive yep. forward. I mean, they contribute so much to a team's success. But like you said, Kyle, they might not show up on the scoreboard, but that doesn't mean they didn't contribute to the team yep. winning at the end of the day. I think the biggest player right now in the Sharks that embodies that mold is Dylan Gambrell. Like he is like nowhere to be found offensively on the stat sheet. You don't see him doing anything, but he was there screening the goaltender on the Meyer power play goal. You know, he forechecks phenomenally down in the dirty areas. He gets back when Carlson and Burns want to go do their fancy shit and pinch down. You know, Dylan Gambrell is that very good defensive or or well-rounded player you know they drafted him in the second round for that reason but he's not lighting the lamp you know like these other guys like you stated kyle so if i were to put someone in that mold it'd either be knizhov or you know dylan gambrell i feel like the sharks need more of those players than they need scoring right now because you you put the money into the scoring but it's the intangibles that aren't adding up the there was a goal where Shimmick was essentially responsible for the net front presence and he abandons his post to go try to play a pass when you already had two Sharks players over there and there's like a lack of communication going on or something happening and it's those tiny things that add up and build onto each other and you just saw every giveaway at the half boards, every defensive lapse, they scored on every opportunity. So you have a... a Sorry, you don't go ahead and finish. No, I just it's just a conglomerate. Yesterday was a conglomerate of bullshit for the Sharks' end. Bad team defense and shit goaltending equals seven goals and seven goals against in a night. You 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 look at who's won the cup or or who's won. Uh, I mean NFL games or even baseball games is I, I've said it for years. Is defense? I mean offense wins games. Defense wins championships. And even if you look at the Super Bowl this year, it wasn't the offense that won it. It was the defense that won it. And right now, is the Sharks are lacking defense. Like solid, keeping the puck out of the net. And that goes with defense and goalies. And I know it takes a five-man unit to do it. But you look at last year and the year before, Like I love watching Edmonton play because their offense, their defense and goaltender to me suck. So beat them that way. But I look at the Sharks, I'm like, you know what? They need to start building their defense and goaltender up. Yeah. Instead of from the front down, go from the back and go up. We well, have that one of the biggest wage bills on the back end. Biggest in the wage league, bills, though, right? yeah, we That's do. Twenty six well, and a half million dollars. I was just going to say a perfect example of that is the Washington Capitals over the last decade. I mean, yeah. they've had those offensive pieces the whole time. Once they figured out the back end, once they figured out the defense, that's when they lift the Stanley Cup. Yeah, yeah, and good two way forwards as well. Like yeah. not just defenders. Like defense yeah. goes both ways. You have to be able to play a solid defensive game as a forward to continue to contribute. I mean, Mark Stone, I know we hate him from like a, a hot like a, a Sharks fan perspective, but he's one of the best two way forwards uh, yeah. you know, in the league, if not the best. And it, he just steals pucks and gets shit out of his own end yeah. all the time. Controlled exits. 
you know, something the Sharks don't have. The little, like, no-look pass off the half boards into the slot directly into, a, you know, an opposing team's player is not going to fucking work. Like, yeah. it will never work. Get the puck out. I mean, that's yeah. like, as a defenseman, get the puck out. If you don't have a, if you don't have a tape, tape pass, get the puck out of the zone and reset. And they're, they're not doing that right now. They're just throwing pucks in areas where other teams can pick them off and come right back down and score. It's just, it, that's, that's the frustrating part that I see. Yeah. How'd you guys feel about Eric Carlson? Uh, Garpin Loff, is that how you say? Garpin yeah, Loff, sorry, we'll get Garpin to your, your question, Dick, but Garpin Loff uh, has a comment on uh, Twitter saying, lower line contributions were clutch for the Caps. They're like Tom Wilson, right? You know, he kind of embodies Jay that. Beagle, baby, Jay yeah. Beagle. <laughs> kind of embodies that whole, doesn't necessarily get on, on the board, but, you know, yeah, you that grit and grind, yeah. That's yeah, depth is what it is. is yep. Being the three or third or fourth line out there and not get scored on, but, then, I mean, they can contribute offensively, but solid defensive game to let their star players do that. And that's, I mean, that's what the Sharks are lacking right now is, is depth and players that uh, I want to say, know what they're doing, but <laughs> it, it, to me, it's, it's, it's the top end players and the Sharks have to play top end every single night in order for the Sharks to win. Mm-hmm. And here's another thing with how this team is built. I mean, this might be wrong, but, you know, since we have so many offensive defensemen, say you have Brent Burns and Eric Carlson out there at the same time, in theory, you're going to want two forwards that are defensive forwards because, you know, with Carlson and Burns jumping up in the play as much as they do, you want someone reliable that can get their back, that can go back and play a little bit of defense. But right now we don't seem to have that. We have a couple players, a couple forwards that are responsible on the back end, but just not quite enough to kind of offset uh, that difference on our actual defense pairings. Yeah, yeah I mean, Sorensen did a, de- a halfway decent job of it in a, cu- a couple games ago. Every time, uh, this is prior to the Carlson injury, Carlson would pinch down. It seems like every time they do like a low cycle that ends up high on the right side, Carlson will try to pinch down for like a shot on net. But the forwards don't have the wherewithal to understand that it's their position. There's one guy whose job it is to fall back. Sorensen did a great job of that. Again, I say Dylan Gambrell does a phenomenal job of that. That's why I feel like he's essentially been stapled into this lineup. He's not going to get rotated out because he's been one of the only forwards to be able to do that. But you need the guys like Leonard and Gregor to be able to understand that it's their role, not just to score goals. They have to play the entire 200 feet of ice and they have to play it better than well how they are now. But yeah, I was just going to ask you guys how you felt Carlson played last night because I feel like he did great. Yeah, I mean, he's starting to pick it up. Um, You know, we're starting to see the offense from him again. I mean, defensive side of the puck, still struggling a little bit. Um, I I think that'll come back once he gets his legs under him. Um, You know, people kind of disregard how much speed you need uh, to play on the defensive end uh, on the ice. So I think that'll come to him slowly. But I mean, he's been all right. He's been all right. you know, well, I, I mean, we keep saying we'll give him some more time, but I mean, he has <laughs> played quite a few games this season. He's been with the Sharks for a while, but I still think there's a better Eric Carlson out there. I really do think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah, but are we are, are we going to get it? Do you know what I mean like like how yeah. long? I mean, again, he was great in Ottawa. Do you know what I mean that's the reason why we got him? He was great in Ottawa. I just haven't seen what he gave Ottawa's team the same as the Sharks, except for maybe the first year, but he was still dealing with his ankle, wasn't he? So that's where I'm like, you know what? I'll give him. I mean, how long can we give him? I mean, again, it's I want to see it next game. Yeah. I mean, he's he's old enough to do it every game now, unless he's hurt. 
And so, I mean, I, I, I can't give him a pass because he's one of the, I mean, what is it, 11 and a half million bucks he's getting paid now a year? Yeah. So, you know, does he really get a pass or should we give him a pass? But if he's injured, I get it. But if you're injured, don't play because you're only making us, our jobs easier to freaking tear him down, which I don't want to do. But I want to see if the Sharks are going to succeed soon. He needs to be that $11.5 million player that they freaking signed. I agree. And I mean, especially this season like this, like if yeah. you're hurt and the doctor says two weeks, you take two weeks. You don't yeah. come back after one week and say, you know what? This actually feels pretty good. I think I can do it. Yeah. Just wait the extra week. Make sure it's good because realistically right now, you know, statistically it's going to be tough for us to make the playoffs. Yeah. We'd much rather see a healthy Eric Carlson come back and give us a great performance for the last 20 games versus having an okay performance the last 30 games. Yeah. Um, that, that's, I don't know. Th- that's my opinion on the, yeah. on the matter. Do you guys think now I'm kind of throwing this out into the, uh, into the universe here. So here looking go. at cap friendly, looking at, you know, contract breakdowns right now, Brent Burns is 35 years old. I, I think he turns 36 on in March. Yeah. March 9th, he turns 36. He's signed through to 2024, 2025. Do you think, because because it's not sustainable, the 25 minutes of time on ice for Brent Burns at age 39 and 38 is not going to be sustainable. Do you think there's any possibility? Because, I mean, if he can, he continues to be offensively gifted, right? But defensively, he continues to show those lapses where he just flops out on the ice like an otter and then they score on us, you know, on a two-on-one. So do you think there's any chance within the next two years that Brent Burns goes back to forward like he did in the 2013 season and how he was drafted as a forward? I mean, that's a great question. Um, I I think he would thrive in that position. I think he could be a solid 25 goal scorer, to be quite honest with you, if he did jump up and play forward. Um, Will they do that? That's tough to say. I mean, we're going to need someone to replace him on the back end. I know, like you said, Nick, he's not, you know, the the most responsible defensively, but we're still going to need to replace that piece. Yeah, I'm saying like within two years, right? Yeah, so we should yeah. have drafted and signed plenty of players to play on the back end. You know, let's say the Sharks get Owen Power, which I doubt that they'll get him. You know, you have Merkley, you have Owen Power, you have Pashnuk, you have Knizhov, you know, who's only, he's you know, a lot of sub-25 players that are in the system right now that could come up and be mended to be actual defensemen. And then you can use that $8 million that you're paying Brent Burns and put him on a forward. And he's not absorbing 25 minutes of time on ice every night he's playing that forward role now i know he's played forward and defense but kyle i want to ask you this i mean he's played defense for quite a while now and it hasn't been broken up with any stints playing forward would it be easy for him to transition back into a forward game or do you think at this point it might actually be a mistake i mean he's he's gifted i mean i i love his shot i love his i mean tenacity but i don't think if if, if they're gonna pay him for what he's doing now it's it's on defense I mean, unless he gets traded, I mean, towards the end of his contract and goes somewhere else and playing for a different team, that they move him back to forward because, I mean, he's he's a pretty good forward if you look at him. But it's a defensive liability unless the Sharks can develop a couple other players or trade for some more players to get him up there. I just don't see this team putting him other any in any other place than he is right now. They just got to find somebody better to play with him on a consistent level that is a defensive defenseman instead of always, I mean, right now it seems like all the defensemen want to be offense. You need to find him a, a liable defenseman to play with for him to actually do what he wants to do, because then it's a four on, 
you know, basically it's a four on two or, uh, I mean, on the defense or, or four on three. But I just don't see it happening anytime soon. So let's let's put age aside. Do you think right now he's an $8 million defenseman? Yes or no? Today? Yeah. Oh, no, I don't. No? Uh, Nick, what do you say? Uh, that's tough. I, I think he's close. But the, the point I'm trying to make here is he's, okay, let's say 7 to $8 million defenseman. You move him to forward. As a forward, would he be worth eight million dollars? I'm going to say no. Well, that's the thing. Well, He's going to look more like a five million dollar forward. Yeah, you need to. You need to, it's so hard to say that without actually doing it, right? You know, True. we've all said how talented he is, and then we've, you know, Kyle mentioned how, you know, it, it's not necessarily easy to go, you know, move into the, oh, especially when you're leaving a big gap behind you in the Sharks. So. I, I honestly, it would have to be one of those trial and error thing. You yeah. know, if, if we're out of this season, why not give him a run? Give him 10, 15 games up front. Why not? Let's see what he does. Yeah, and especially at the end know. of the year if we're out yeah. of it. Yeah, because I don't think, well, you, I don't want to you know, count us out yet, obviously. Yeah. But the way things are going, I don't think we're going to be battling. So yeah. why not try something up, mix it up, bring another young D-man up, give him a go and put Brent Burns up front, let him have some fun. Give Kyle yeah. a PTO and you're set to go. Right? Yeah, give me a deal. Don't let me see him on the Sharks if they bring up like a Merkley or or somebody younger to give him a chance. But I just I, I just don't see it. I mean, uh you I mean he's getting paid defensive money. Yeah. And to me that eight million dollars, whatever he moves a forward, he's not an eight million dollar forward. Yeah, I agree. Um, but again, it's eight million dollars for him was probably too to me, I would say too high. Well, that was to me three years ago, four years ago. You know, when he had his Norris Trophy run and all that, he was freaking phenomenal. It's just, you went again, that's where it takes for an NHL team. Is one player can't do it. But if you have a team around him, I bet you'd be an $8 million defenseman if he was playing with, I don't know, I mean, I hate to say better players, but the players that he needs to play with, his money would be right where it needs to be for him, or even more. Yeah, yeah but... Aren't you supposed to be able to make the people around you better if you're getting paid that kind of money? You're playing with I me. Mean, Here's a great example, Kyle. Mark yeah. Mathot was a lot of people say that's why Eric Carlson had the success that he yeah. did in Ottawa because Mark Mathot was a perfect complement to yeah. his game. So if we just find that kind of guy to put with, you know, Brent Burns and Eric Carlson, I, I think that's the answer right there. Was Redeem Shimek was wasn't he supposed to be that? Yeah, he was. I mean, well, what? Who was? Sorry, Nick, I didn't hear you there. Uh, Shimmick. Shimmick was actually amazing. I mean, he got the nickname the Wookie Whisperer when <laughs> when he got brought over from the Czech League. That don't come because easy. of how well they mesh together. Yep. But like you said, Kyle, it was a Stanley Cup contention type of team those those yep. few years ago. So Brent Burns was able to make the mistakes that he made because the forwards around him played a much more sound game. Yeah, but. Well, my, I mean, playing devil's advocate, shouldn't Brent Burns be able to make better decisions so that way his defense partner isn't being put on two on ones every time? You'd think so. You'd think he'd, yeah, be, a, you'd, think he'd be a smarter player and not maybe rush as much. But again, that's that's Brent Burns' game. But again, his, his, his forwards have changed like tenfold since three years ago. He doesn't have the, he doesn't have the li- the reliability of those those younger or older forwards that third and fourth line to do things, or even like Joe Thornton, a Provalski that would be back if he went up and rushed. There's all new different teams. So, again, it's, every year changes. 
And yeah, he can make another player better, but is he making the team better? And that's where I just question his uh, his whole aura about the team because I don't know. He's, he's what is he? Thirty five? Three? Yeah, he's thirty five. He turns thirty six in two in a in a month. So. Yeah, so it'd be it's actually in less than a couple weeks. Actually, Kyle, what what, what kind of present love, did you get him? I love I love watching him play. I just the Sharks need to do something. Is it him or is it somebody else or is it you know and they're keeping them or what are they doing? And to me, if, if you're going to total rebuild, which they, they can't this year because of the cap space, it's it just, I don't know. I mean, he'd be great on a contending team right now. Is he great with the Sharks right now? It just doesn't seem that way. Guys, it's hilarious. No matter what topic we bring up, we always end up talking about either Carlson or Burns. You know, that's how it always <laughs> Carlson, ends Carlson, Burns, or Jones. Or, or like, Jones. That's, like, that's literally the yeah. three. I mean, I think that says a lot about where we're kind of lacking in this team and where we kind of need to improve. Yeah, yeah You know, absolutely. when we're consistently talking about the same things, which feels for over a year now, yeah. that's where the problem is, folks. Like, yeah, <laughs> no, it's goaltending in the fence. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. That's the yep. biggest problem. I mean, they're, they're drafting a lot of forwards and a lot of young defensemen. They're just not ready yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to take time. It's going to take, and time. it's going to take time. But I, you mean, it's it's like uh, I was listening to uh, another podcast. I won't mention the name. Oh, jeez, this guy <laughs> is a traitor, right? But but no, they were saying is the same thing we've been talking about. Is is the Sharks like Stanley Cup run was probably two or three years ago. Yeah. And now they need to rebuild for what? They need to rebuild for a year or two down the road to get these younger guys that are in the Barracuda some playing time, and then move from there. But I just don't see a lot of these players now going to be here that are older but they're going to be here because their contracts are making them stick here if that makes sense yeah no it, it totally does and that's the position we're in you know there's some other organizations in the league that are in the same position as well because this yeah. flat cap really it, it hurt a lot of people yeah. because you know you're not able to get rid of these contracts some teams that thought you know what maybe we'll take on a bad contract and we'll get a draft pick or something like that like the like the Arizona Coyotes did a couple of years ago with Pavel Datsuk but now since it's a flat cap for them as well they're thinking you know what we actually don't have the space to bring on a contract even if we get a draft pick yeah. so we're just not going to make the move and then you then you see the situation we're in yeah and you see trades nowadays is they can't just go join the team and play right away yeah I mean, they have to wait and do their you know whole quarantine and stuff like that. So it doesn't make it as easy as it was in past years, which throws another wrinkle in the thing too, especially if they're trading a team from Canada, let's say Vancouver or Anaheim. I mean, there's there's border restrictions. There's other things going on, which is not easy in, in the cap-strapped era right now. Well, apparently for you American cities, you just let the players come in and play right away. I mean, I know with the, the line A trade, line A was playing pretty yeah. early, and Dubois had like yeah. another 10 days before he could even play. So and that all depends on the, that all depends on the state, the county, and everything. True. So, yeah. Yeah. Every player that comes into Canada from the States has to have a 14 day quarantine right now. Yeah. 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 I mean, if if we're bringing it back to original thoughts prior to the season starting, I, I really think that this upcoming offseason is going to be very indicative of where the sharks are moving forward, you know, who they protect. In the expansion draft, which is going to be, I mean, it's something they need to take full advantage of. You either offload a major contract and you pay top dollar to offload it, 
or you find a way to force Seattle into selecting someone that you're trying to get rid of or, or, or a certain dollar amount that you're trying to get rid of and you buy out Martin Jones because signing bonuses are gone or whatever it may be, the, this upcoming offseason is going to be one of the biggest factors on the, how long this rebuild is going to last for the Sharks. Hey, Nick, what do you, hey Nick, I got a question for you. Or you guys, actually. Do you think the Sharks are where they're supposed to be at this point in the season, or are you higher on them or lower on them, like where we are today? I said they're going to be at just under sub five hundred, like just at sub five hundred. It's exactly where they're at. They yeah. just they're not good enough to contend with the better teams like Minnesota and Vegas, and Call they that. have they have those little tiny bits of you know spurts of great team play, but overall they're sub five hundred. It's it's one of the toughest spots to be in sports. Is mediocre not bad not good but mediocre because you're just going to miss the playoffs and then when it comes to the draft you're going to be picking number 13 14 15 which you're going to get a great player but at the end of the day the guys that are drafting the top three those are the game changers and we need one or two of those on this roster so it's a tough spot yeah i i mean i think we're exactly where we're meant to be because you know we've got quality on the roster that means that we're not going to be bombing it. You know, we've got yeah. the Brent Burns. We still have Eric Carlson. We've got Vander Kane, Hurdle, Couture. You know, it's not like we've got a bad roster. We just don't have a top roster. So I think we're bang on where we, we're supposed to be really on paper. I mean, it would be nice to see if, as you know, outperform us and, you know, take a next step. But I think the biggest, like, the biggest predictor of what's going to happen in the next couple of years in the offseason, I think, is going to be, like, what happens off the ice too whether they stay with Bruner, whether they mix it up in the back office i really think that's going to be indicative of whether they're going to fully commit to a rebuild or whether they're going to try and retool in one or two it's going to be really interesting to see what they do in that sense yeah that will be interesting and i mean you see the pressers with Bugner right now i mean he doesn't he doesn't seem too impressed i'll put it that way he seems like sugarcoat shit dude (laughs) he might be uh he might be stressing out a little bit there's more more yawns than usual going on in the household i'll put it that way I mean, he he basically said today, we're recording this Sunday, uh, for those on the live stream, you're you're seeing this, and the podcast listeners uh, on Monday, he said Vlasic has been playing an average for too long. Like, you're calling out one of the league's best defensemen four to five years ago, but he he doesn't give a shit. You know, they had the goaltending coach out there with Dudnik and Jones. Jones looked like he was wearing sunglasses, like they were doing some Jedi training or something. Hey, there's nothing wrong with the yellow visor. No, it's literally glasses, my man. It's dark shades. Dark shades under his mask. Zach, man, jumping in saying, yo, 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 Zach, you just missed missed, uh, Jonathan Becker. But anyways, anyways. Yeah, but they had Jones out there with like sunglasses on under his mask doing some Luke Skywalker type shit to like feel where the puck's going to be and to not trust his eyes or something. Like you can see that the there's the coaching staff really wants to fucking win. Right. But the Sharks don't need to win right now because the Sharks want to be good in two to three years. They're not going to be good right now. They need to be able to draft Beneers or Hughes or Owen Power or hell. If I if I say if they go all in on Wallstead and get a goaltender, you know they're they're going to have a top ten pick. So they need to like stealth tank it or whatever the hell you want to call it. They need to like, and they don't have much of a choice either because they're not good enough to beat the top end teams. And I mean, look at the Kings, look at the Ducks. They're they're up and coming. The Sharks are declining. Like face the facts. Rip the band-aid off and fucking rebuild. 
Nick, all, all I'm picturing right now is the goaltending coach at home watching Star Wars, and he sees that scene, you know, where they got the fa- the visor in front of him, and he's got the lightsaber, he's deflecting him away. He's like, you know what? I got it. I got the answer. <laughs> the only thing that'll make Martin Jones a starting goaltender in this league is the, the force. force. I'm dead serious, I wonder, I wonder, man. Hey, I wonder if Nabokov actually ever watched the Star Wars freaking movies. I don't think it was Nabokov. I think, I think they're roughly there. based on his life, actually. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that guy's an Hannibal. So Shang Peng's the one that tweeted out the picture, which is why I saw it. So I don't think it was actually Nabokov that was out there with them today, from what I saw. I mean, they even had Ricci out there screaming at the guys, talking about like, is two passes too hard for you guys to do? Like, like what is wrong with you guys? But yeah, it's I'm gonna send you guys the picture later, but I believe it was uh it was it was with Nabokov in Francilia. They were both out there working with them. And then there's the picture of Jones. And if you zoom in on his face, you see like dark, like sunglasses over his eyes. Like, (laughs) here you go, bud. Figure it out. Use the force. Will the puck into your fucking glove because you just get beat high glove every time. Right. All right, boys. Well, uh, this was a fun episode. This was a fun one. We talked a lot about Brent Burns and a lot about Eric Carlson. (laughs) (laughs) On point for us. On brand for uh, Stick Hungry Podcast. Uh, Again, big shout out to Jonathan Becker for uh, jumping on the show. That was a great interview. It was a lot of fun. Hopefully, we can bring him back on at some point, maybe in the offseason, to talk about the Sharks moving forward. Uh, Boys, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we uh, mosey on out of here? I'm good. We're going to be prepping a nice little uh, expansion draft episode towards the end of the season as well. Talk about oh. who the Sharks should protect. and Some Tankathon uh, going it's, it's on. It's going to be an absolute banger. Tankathon. Oh, yeah. You know what? Yeah, I forgot we're about We're going to bring that. in Tankathon yeah. again. Tankathon.com. I'm going to bring that yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys have any? Do you guys have your eyes on any prospects? I'm doing a little bit of scouting right now uh, to see who the Sharks might be in line for. Uh, just quickly, uh, Garpton Lofts in Fuck Vegas. Thank you. Uh, I agree. I, I'll be quite honest with you. I haven't been paying much attention uh, to this draft class because as everyone's talked about, like not everyone's playing games or they're limited games that they're playing. Um, so it's it's been tough. It's been tough to follow along with it. So I haven't. I mean, producer T, have you? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, you're putting me way too much on the spot. I'd have to put some research. It's going to but I think, you know, it's going to be one of those incredible like drafts where unprecedented right like like jonathan said we've had the, the fact that there was 11 months where there was nothing at the sap well imagine what that does to uh you know kids between the age of 14 and 16 17 to their development i mean it, and they're still not back on the ice in <laughs> well, some cases. this could be one of those years where the best player in the draft was drafted 17 literally you know, though, it's, it's gonna it's... you know I think it's going to be the most um, most unpredictable there draft go. class. That's we've had. the word. Yeah. He was looking Boom! for folks. He found it. <laughs> You're going to have to go off of what I mean a year and a half ago, really, is when everything shut down. Yeah. So you have to Almost go off that. Yeah. Players I mean, develop at different ages, and there could be somebody that came out now that is better than anybody else. But again, like you said, he could be drafted 15th. I mean, the Sharks should get lucky and find somebody there. So who knows? Yeah. Mainly focusing on like the teams that are playing, like the Beneers for Michigan, the teams that are playing over in the SHL and the Liga in Finland. Just they actually have games going on. Yeah, yeah, and you know I'll probably start focusing a little bit more when we get closer to the draft. Yeah, uh, I, I just tend to do that. I mean, normally uh, the World Juniors is when I really start looking at these younger guys coming up, but it's kind of I don't know since we haven't had much hockey between World Juniors and now. 
I haven't paid too much attention. Uh, Zachman 200 saying, uh, watch Ottawa get the first round pick. I think it means first overall pick. But yeah. That would be, uh, yeah, that'd be a slap to the face. Well, they don't have ours, so that's fine. They can they don't have, have ours. So there you go. There you go. All right, guys. Uh, let's give a shout out to our Twitter handles before we hop off this show. You can follow myself at DYL underscore THPN. You can follow the show at Stick Hungry Pod, and you can follow the network at Hockey Pod Net. Producer T. You can follow myself at producer underscore T E E. And Kyle. Uh, McLaren underscore K. Almost forgot it there. <laughs> we, we've it. been saying it for you. It, it, we, it feels good. so nice not having to say it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kyle, when you're not on the episode, whoever gives out their Twitter handle last has to do yours as well. We can't oh, let <laughs> we can't let the people forget about Kyle. Right? Uh, Nick, go ahead. You can find me at Nick Floor underscore. There you go. There you go. All right, guys, this was a fun episode. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. Um, everyone, thanks for listening to the podcast. Thanks for watching the live stream. Uh, we will catch you on Tuesday for the next live stream. See you, folks.